everyone. Today I'm going to be doing my review of the penultimate episode of Loki. This is episode five. And wow, I have been continually really impressed with the show. I'm going to go scene by scene. This show is probably neck and neck right now with WandaVision. Right now, I think the more I think about this episode and the more I watch it, I think this is inching closer and closer to beating WandaVision. I think it might even be the tiniest hair ahead. Um, they're both really good, though. And Falcon and Winter Soldier, I love that, too. Um, but one of the things I love so much is the mystery. And Falcon and Winter Soldier had less of a mystery. And plus, this sci-fi stuff is just right up my alley. So I think Loki is my favorite with WandaVision and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, But this episode was fantastic. I, I don't even, I'm just going to go through scene by scene. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about everything I love, my theories, and talk about an episode for comic book fans because this was chock full of Easter eggs. I'm going to point out as many as I found, as many as I know of, and I'm sure there's many I missed. So feel free, if you know any that I missed, to leave them in the comments because, wow, there was a lot. So the episode opens with this really cool shot. It's like this, it's kind of upside down. And it's this long shot going through the TVA and it's kind of rotating. And it's, it's really interesting. It's, um, it's a cool shot because it's so disorienting. Like you want to flip your head around to straighten it out. And it's this really slow shot. I just thought it was really cool. And, uh, um, and I just think it shows the experience of the director who it takes a lot of work and a lot of skill to be able to execute a shot like this. And this was just kind of a flex. Like, look at this, um, the high quality of talent that Marvel is bringing in, of directors they're bringing into their shows and movies is fantastic. Then we cut to The Void. One of the things I loved about this episode and I've loved about the show is all the concepts and ideas it brings up, especially this idea of The Void where everything that's pruned goes to this void. So I'm sure there's more, but Easter egg number one, I believe the Sanctum Sanctorum is in this shot when they're flying through the void. Easter egg number two, Avengers Tower, but instead of saying Stark or the A, it says, I think it's Q-E-N-G, and that's from a comics run where Kang, I believe he owned the company, and Stark sold the Avengers Tower, and he bought Avengers Tower or something like that. So that's one hit towards Kang. We're definitely going to talk about Kang a lot. Um, that's one Easter egg I noticed. So we're going through the void. We get to see the scene where Loki gets up. He's right in front of the other Lokis. We see Elioth, which is this giant purple cloud, which is from the comics, also connected to Kang. We'll talk about that. Um, and just the amount of comic book material in this episode was amazing because there's all this wacky stuff that Marvel's totally embracing that in a million years, nobody could have ever expected or guessed that would ever make it onto the screen. So this was amazing. So Loki gets up. He's asking a ton of questions. We see Elias. The Lokis are running. Loki intro. Then we see Sylvie interrogating Renslayer. One of the things I really liked about Renslayer in this episode is the acting because it's obvious that she's lying. But then you start to wonder, is she telling the truth or is she lying? What's she lying about? What does she know? What doesn't she know? And I think even when she's lying, she's not a good liar. But then you're kind of on the edge because you believe her. But then you're like, wait, she's acting the lying badly. So she is lying. But what does she know? But is she lying? Like it's like this back and forth where you have no idea what she wants, what she knows that she knows about. Does she know that the timekeepers were fake? Does she know who's behind the curtain of the TVA? And we're going to talk about that later. So Sylvie is interrogating Renslayer. We get a little bit of dialogue between them. I think all the acting, the cast in the show is fantastic. Another thing, the visuals of this episode. I thought the Lamentous episode was great, the third episode, but this blows that out of the water. This was really good. Sure, there were a few shots that were like, okay, you don't have a movie budget here. This is a TV budget. Uh, I can see that a little bit with some of the effects, but for the most part, this was, especially the way the void looked, was just stunning. 
So then we cut back to the void. We see what is a ship. I believe this is a Easter egg of some ship that some famous ship. I can't remember what it was. And then we see a UFO. We walk by just a literal UFO, which is funny. I just love little details like that. Loki is questioning the other Lokis. You have Kid Loki who killed Thor. We have Old Man Loki. We have Boastful Loki. And then you have Alligator Loki. And this is just such a wacky concept, but I love it. I love seeing the other Lokis in this episode. Tom Hiddleston does a great job acting all confused. And then the other Lokis are good, especially Old Man Loki really shines in this episode. So they talk for a little bit and they take Loki in and take him down to their fort. And I freaked out. When they're climbing down into their fort, the camera pans downwards, downwards, downwards. And first you see Mjolnir. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Because there's probably, when you think about it, there's probably variants of everything and everyone somewhere in this place. And that there's probably variants of every single Marvel character in this place. And most of them were probably eaten by life, but some of them probably escaped and are living out there somewhere in the void. So we pan down, we see Mjolnir, and then we see a little creature in a little bottle jumping, reaching for Mjolnir. And when I saw this, I freaked out. This is Throg in the comics. Throg is a literal frog who picked up Mjolnir and Mjolnir shrinked because he was worthy and he became Thor Throg. It's such a crazy character. And the fact that they managed to reasonably get him in this show, get him into Marvel where it's not ridiculous, like it makes sense for where they are. I, I, I thought this was amazing. Like you can see the detail. You can see the little cape on him, the little helmet. I, it's amazing. I just think this was really clever and I love all the Easter eggs and I love like whoever would expect Throg to appear in Loki to appear in any Marvel project, but it's pretty amazing what they're doing with that. So now we're down in this arcade, which is their hideout. We cut back to Sylvie and Renslayer. Sylvie and Renslayer are looking. This is something interesting. So Renslayer tells Sylvie about the void. It's where everything goes that's pruned, including everything, including inanimate objects that are, when the timelines reset, it erases all the inanimate objects, but it really just sends them to the void. And you can kind of see like Sylvie wants to know, is there something past the void? Because after the end of time is the void. So what's after the void? Sylvie is wondering, because that would be the perfect place to hide because after the void, there's no sacred timeline. There's no set path. So you can do anything without it causing a branch because there's nothing to be branching off of. There's no sacred one timeline that it just is after the void. Um, so we see Sylvie trying to investigate that. And we see Renslayer kind of like, no, let's look at the beginning of time. And she's very clearly hiding something. So at this point, I'm like, okay, Renslayer must know that. But Renslayer must know who's behind the timekeepers and she's trying to protect him or her because they're beyond the void and Renslayer knows. But then Renslayer clearly is just stalling for time because she starts talking about a spaceship to go through the void to get to, to get to there. And she starts just saying stuff. She seems very reluctant when Miss Minutes is searching. And it's very obvious Renslayer is covering something up or she's lying or she's stalling for time. And then she says to Miss Minutes, uh, when? And then Miss Minutes says like any time now or something. And then the TVA comes storming in. Sylvie jumps behind a, some, gets some cover. And then she does the only reasonable thing. And I really like this. She jumps out and prunes herself. So she ends up in the void, leaving Renslayer like with the Minutemen telling them, okay, she's dead. So we're going to talk about Renslayer more later because one of the things I'm really wondering is her motivations and how much she knows. But for now, we're back to this great conversation with the Lokis. And one of the great things with this show is the themes and the thematic elements of the show. Like what makes a Loki a Loki? Are all the Lokis the same? And can Loki change? Really, the theme is, can a person change? Because Loki's only ever wanted a real connection with someone. 
And can he change? And can he be a good person, really? Because in Infinity War, I think he loved his brother and he saved his brother, but I don't think it was this full character development turn where he was just a good person. I think this is actually doing that, where he is getting this fully, fully character development. And we learned that. We learned earlier that Kid Loki killed Thor. The expression on Tom Hiddleston's face was great. Boastful Loki is just kind of representing Loki's lying side. He just lies about saying taking down all the Avengers and getting the Infinity Stones. Then we get Old Man Loki's backstory. And Old Man Loki has this little arc in himself, which I really like, where he says he's basically our Loki from Infinity War, who instead of trying to stab Thanos in the neck, used his magic to get away and escape. And then he was living on a moon. One of the things that's interesting about this is this confirms one of my theories from earlier. One of the things was people were wondering, or people probably are wondering, how is it not creating a branch that this old man Loki survived? And to that, I say my stones in a river theory, where you can throw some stones in a river, you can cause some minor changes in the sacred timeline, and the river just redirects around the stones. It's only if a big enough stone causes the whole river to change the flow is when it creates a massive branch. So what happened was when old man Loki survived, he isolated himself. And since he was isolated, he wasn't having any impact on anything else. So he was fine. The the sacred timeline just redirected and kept on going. When he got lonely and tried to leave the moon to go back to Thor, that's when it's causing an impact because he's going to go back and it causes a branch and the TVA comes, arrests him and prunes him. So I really love that fan theory for old man Loki, how his backstory is literally just a fan theory. This was the fan theory after Infinity War that people were wondering that people were sure, actually, people were 100% sure that Loki had survived, he had used his magic, he wasn't actually dead. And this is like a direct response to that, which I love. Another theory I like is that near the end of the episode, this old man Loki casts a big Asgard, this big illusion. And one theory is I like is that he was so good at that because on his moon, he was lonely. So he was casting Asgard and he was casting his friends, trying to see his friends again and stuff. Um, just as out of sadness. And that's when he had time to work on his magic and become so powerful. So we have this great conversation. I just think the development and the themes this show presents are really, really interesting. And I really didn't expect it from the show. I expected some themes of grief in WandaVision. I expected some deep themes in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But Loki, I just expected to be fun. I wasn't expecting anything much deeper. And I was wrong about that. Seems like all these Disney Plus shows have some sort of theme or idea in them that's that's pretty cool. So then Loki is determined to get out. So he says he's going to kill Elias. The rest of the Lokis laugh. And it's it's almost like for old man Loki, especially, he throws his cape up and sits back down. And it's this exaggerated laugh. He's totally hamming it up. And I love it. It's perfect for Loki because he's always had this flair for the dramatic. So a lot of this episode is over-exaggerated, wacky. Um, some people might cheese scoff at it, I see, because it could be a little bit cheesy. But I think it works because this episode is centered on all these different Lokis who is cheesy, wacky, overdramatic, and just that type of person. So Loki's climbing up the ladder to get out of the bunker, and then he sees another Loki played by Tom Hiddleston surrounded by other Lokis coming to capture him. This was awesome. This was Vote Loki is what I'm going to call him. It was Tom Hiddleston Loki with a Vote Loki pin. This is a reference to a, I want to say it was a 2015 Loki comics run where he ran for president. Then we cut to Sylvie, who has been pruned inside. She's inside a car in the void. She comes out of the car, and Eliath is chasing after her, the big cloud. She's running. And then we get this kind of cool shot that we come back to later where she jumps in the air. Her eyes turn green for a second, and she sees a vision of what looks like this, this like vision of the whole universe, what it is. 
upon rewatches, you see it's it's through Eliath, it's the palace that they saw near the end of the episode, and then it's the what I think is the sacred timeline next to it. So we'll talk about that later. Then Mobius drives up. Of course, he was pruned, so he's here too. He drives up in the car, takes takes Sylvie out of there. I love how we're seeing things like the San Francisco Bridge and the pyramids and sphinxes all behind them. Then we get the shot from the trailers of Vote Loki. And I love the way this just shows how good Tom Hiddleston is because Vote Loki, in all his facial expressions, everything, you can just tell he's totally evil and he's this evil Loki. Another Easter egg in this scene, in this place, of course, also the production design is beautiful, I wanted to mention. It's really, really good. Um, another Easter egg is that behind in the background of the scene, there's a game called Polybius, which was an urban legend in Portland, Oregon. I recommend looking this up because it's super interesting, but basically it's this arcade game that supposedly was a test by the government on kids that gave kids nausea and amnesia. And there's all these cases of kids that had some serious health issues because of this arcade game. It's a really interesting case. Um, so we get the Lokis standing up to vote Loki. They're talking. I love, it's just a landfill of Loki. So there's backstab after backstab. We see boastful Loki backstab, backstabbed our group of Lokis, but then Loki's whole group backstab, vote Loki. And then we have alligator Loki come up and bite off vote Loki's arm. Um, so this is just a funny turn of events. I just love how they're just all backstabbing each other. And we see later even with old man Loki is a more important character development beat, but with just our Loki Loki, he says, He's annoyed at himself. He's very clearly annoyed at the backstabbing, at the betrayal. And he's very clearly, he's getting to see himself from an outside perspective. And he's seeing, wow, this is what I was like. This was annoying. Um, and he's really sees himself and he's like, wow. And this further kind of emphasizes his change and shows that like he's seeing how annoying he was and how this was him. Um, so I think it's just a really interesting idea. Then there's this fight scene where all the Lokis go at it. It wasn't even about the choreography or anything. It was just the chaos. The pure chaos of a bunch of Lokis going at it was awesome. We see old man Loki use a little bit of his powers. He uses a portal, teleports them out. And then as they're walking away, they've left. They're out back in the void. They're walking away. He says, we're all broken or something like that. V vote Loki. It's so hard to talk about this too because there's so many Lokis. So I'm having to try to differentiate them. So they're walking out of there. And I mean, old man Loki says, we're all broken. And we get to see that old man Loki doesn't think anyone can change. He doesn't think Lokis can change. And we're going to see at the end of the episode, like, he really can be the hero and he can change and Lokis can all change and do the right thing. So he says, we're all broken. They're walking away. Loki has this plan to kill the Elioth. Sylvie and Mobius are driving away. There was a conversation here. Then a giant ship drops out. This was a ship, I believe it's an urban legend too, where the ship disappeared or something, which is just a cool detail. A ship drops out. It was pruned. Its timeline was probably pruned. Eliath comes and devours the ship, just showing the power of Eliath, which was a nice scene. Just visually, it's beautiful. The production design, the visual effects, everything. The score, we're going to talk about the score later too. It's just really, really well done. Then Loki, the Lokis, the three Lokis see, oh, the four Lokis, alligator Loki as well, see Mobius and Sylvie. Loki kind of runs up with, to Sylvie. I like his awkwardness around her because he doesn't know how to handle himself after someone he really loves like he doesn't know he hasn't felt real love for someone in that way before so he's all awkward which is kind of funny so sylvie informs everyone that she has a plan to enchant alioth because she saw she connected with him when she was running from him 
Renslayer goes up to a cell where Hunter B-15 is inside. Uh, Renslayer says that Hunter B-15 linked with Sylvie and she wants to know what Sylvie's going to do. Hunter B-15 says Sylvie's going to go after and kill whoever's behind the curtains of the DBA. So this doesn't offer much new info, but then Hunter B-15 says this line to Renslayer, which I really like, which is, you want it, Sylvie needs it, which is to find the man behind the curtain. Then Renslayer walks out, and this is where I learned I was wrong, because she says she doesn't know who the person behind the curtain of the TVA is, but she still wants to protect them because she wants to keep the TVA running. So I wonder, I think that's really interesting. And then she's talking to Miss Minutes and trying to find out more info. We get this scene with Loki and Mobius. And by Loki, I mean old man Loki. Sorry if this is confusing. I'm doing my best here. It's confusing for me too to be able to try to talk about this. So then we have the scene of the void with old man Loki, kid Loki, and Mobius. And it's kind of more for old man Loki's arc where Mobius basically says, old man Loki asks him, so just like that, you're turning on the TVA. And Mobius says, well, people can change. Um, just more about this, this idea that free will versus what's meant for you, that you can change and it's change is really possible. Um, of course, I think I failed to mention all over this episode, there's ships in the background. There's Ronin ship. There's Red Skull ship at one point. There is, we're going to see the helicarrier later, plus the Thanos copter. In the comics, there was this weird comic where Thanos flew a helicopter, a yellow helicopter, which had Thanos on the side. It's so ridiculous that it never was going to make it onto screen, but surprisingly it did. And it was in the background of one of these scenes, which was an awesome Easter egg again. Then we get Loki and Sylvie kind of both being awkward about their love. Sylvie asks Loki, what are you going to do after this? How do I know you won't betray me? They kind of talk, they bond. Loki says he's not going to betray her. After this, they don't know, but Loki is basically hinting that his new glorious purpose, which is kind of all the things about Loki, what is their purpose? Loki's new purpose is Sylvie, to be with her instead of like ruling. So this was kind of a nice scene. I think their chemistry is really good. So there you have this great scene with them. So you have this great scene with them, and then it's time to do the thing with the Ilioth. Mobius leaves, and he hugs Loki, and he says, goodbye, my friend. And they ask him what he's going to do to the TVA, what he's going to do when he gets back. And he says, I'm going to burn it to the ground, which I hope we get to see more of in the finale. I want to see specifically how he does it. But this is a nice callback to episode one, where Loki says to Mobius, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. So then Mobius leaves. He gives a hug to Loki, says, goodbye, my friend. Then it's time to face the Aelioth. So Loki and Sylvie. Sylvie tries to enchant it. Loki is the distraction. He runs away. He flashes this knife that was given to him by kid Loki. Sylvie's doing her best, but it's not working. Clearly, the distraction is not working because the Aelioth goes right towards Sylvie. Then, in this spectacular scene, old man Loki demonstrates the power a Loki can have. And he summons, he creates this giant illusion of Asgard which the Ilioth immediately goes for. And this was awesome. One of the things about the scene that was amazing was the score. It was like this beautiful rising music that created this sense of tension. And this really, for some reason, just the score alone made this feel like the finale. It felt like finale music, like the final battle music, but obviously it's not. So this was great. This was perfect too for old man Loki kind of sacrificing himself and actually changing and becoming good to help other versions of himself. So he creates Asgard. Alioth goes for it. You see some shots of Alioth trying to bite it, but of course it's an illusion, so he's not biting anything. So that was awesome. Old Man Loki was just fantastic. I thought Richard E. Grant was 
perfectly cheesy, but then just perfect for the role. He's literally perfect for an old man Loki. He looks just like an old man Loki in real life. Then Alioth finally goes to old man Loki when this, when this illusion crumbles. Old man Loki looks at Alioth. He says, glorious purpose, and he starts laughing. He always had that flair for the dramatic. Then he gets eaten. And the only thing that remains are his horns. What a perfect mini arc. And he was just such a standout in that episode. It's such a memorable MCU character. I just thought that was fantastic. Then Alioth goes for Loki and Sylvie. Loki says to Sylvie, I think we're more powerful than we thought, which is a great line. Loki and Sylvie try to enchant. Then Loki learns how to enchant. They're both closing their eyes. They enchant the Alioth just seconds before it eats them. The music in the scene and the tension and the visuals are really spectacular. And then they think they've got it. And then this doorway opens up to what is like this, this palace on some rock. And behind it are these like white lights going by it. I believe we'll talk about who I think is in this palace, but this palace is kind of, it's kind of like the final level on the video game, the final place they're going to go. Then the episode ends with no post-credit scene. So one of the things that's interesting is there's this, these lights rushing past the palace. And it, I think that's very obviously the sacred timeline. And I think whoever's in that palace is going to be somebody major. So I'm going to go down my list of good things about this episode. Then I'm going to go through my theories and what I want to see in the finale and why I'm a little bit nervous for the finale. So good cinematography, production design, costume design, visual effects, score. They were all fantastic. I pointed them out in the episode. They're just continue to be great in the show. The acting, the chemistry of all this cast, the way everybody comes together and they're all their roles in the story are just perfect. I think it's a really well-constructed story where everybody has an important and memorable role. I think the concept of the void is really interesting and I like it. The Easter eggs, Throg, Thanos copter, the arcade game, the ship, vote Loki, all this stuff, all this comic stuff and Easter eggs was just fantastic, but it didn't get in the way of the story. The story always comes first before Easter eggs and it didn't get in the way. It was just a perfect place. And like of all places, the void is just perfect for all these Easter eggs. I really enjoy the way the story is developing. Each episode, it feels like takes it in a new direction that I didn't expect. And of all the Disney Plus shows, even WandaVision, which is, it's crazy to say this, but I think this is the most unpredictable Disney Plus show because of that, uh, because how it keeps subverting expectations and trying something new every episode. I really like seeing the backstories of the other Lokis. I thought this episode delivered on the action, the stakes, the tension, awesome moments, and like character arcs and the emotional moments too. I thought the script, the dialogue, the writing was really 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 good i think the themes the character development everything about this episode i just think it was almost perfect and i loved it even more the second time watching it so this was a fantastic five out of five episode for me some theories so of course the cloud is sort of like the cloud alien is sort of like a guard dog to the place beyond the void and i see two options for who's going to be the one behind the curtain who's going to be the one in that place of course, the most common theory is Kang. And then the other theory is variant Loki. Now, I would love for it to be Kang because there's all these hints. Alioth is connected to Kang in the comics. Renslayer is connected to Kang in the comics. We pointed out the Avengers Tower Easter egg. This is the perfect show to introduce him. So Kang literally just fits perfectly into the show, just everything about him. And I think I would love to see him. I just think you all know how it makes perfect sense for Kang to be in this. but thematically and looking at the narrative of the story and what would make better tv because marvel always prioritizes a good story over anything else and thematically 
it would be better and it would make for better, just a better TV. Now, as a comic book fan, it's not as good. And most of you listening probably wouldn't like this and would prefer Kang. But I think it's just better thematically and it's just better if the villain, if the villain, if the one behind the curtain is a variant Loki, because the show is all about identity and figuring out who you are and can you change. So another version of Loki just makes more sense thematically. Now, the question is, I, I'm half an hour. Every time I think about it, I switch sides. Like, like literally just going in two minutes ago to talking about this, I was leaning more variant Loki is going to be the one. But now I'm leaning more Kang. I keep going back and forth. But I think those are the two options. And I would love to see Kang. But for general audiences who have no connection to him, they're not going to have a connection to him. It's not going to mean anything to them. So I see, I see that it could be, either it could be Kang, and it, it is Kang, and, and I'm, and everybody's right that it's Kang, or, and that Kang is like in a post-credit scene, and he's kind of the person behind the main villain, and that the main villain of the show, the main enemy they're fighting is like Renslayer, and the villain in the post-credit scene, or Kang is just the main behind the curtain. I could see that happening, or I could see variant Loki just being the main villain. And maybe they will also set up Kang somehow in a post-credit scene. But I just can't see Kang having a big presence in the next episode. I think, if anything, it'll just be something small, kind of like Thanos at the end of Avengers. But that's interesting. Another thing that's really interesting is that in one shot of the show, it looks like a giant yellow jacket, who was the villain from Ant-Man helmet, is in the void. Now, there was a theory I liked where, where that the TVA is located in the quantum realm and it could be a connection to that if the yellow jacket helmet somehow through the quantum realm got to the void but looking at the way they portrayed the sacred timeline in what looks like the final area kind of beyond the the place beyond the void I don't really think that was a yellow jacket helmet it kind of looks like it but not really so I'm not buying into that theory so what I want to see next episode of course who's behind the TVA how are they going to wrap this up Judge Renslater, where do her loyalties lie and what does she want? It seems like she knew about the place beyond, but she didn't know who was there. Does she know? If it is Kang, does she know him? Why did she want to keep it hidden? Why doesn't she feel betrayed if she believed in the timekeepers? I want to know what she knows and what she doesn't. I want to know if she's loyal to the person behind the curtain or not. And I'm just very interested. She's one of the more intriguing characters to me. Of course, I want to know what happens next, how this show is going to wrap up, because with WandaVision, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, We had some sort of idea how it would end, but with this, I have no clue. There are so many different possibilities. And then I hope we get to see some follow-up of Mobius burning down the TVA and we get to see what happens with him. A lot of people want to see Mobius on a jet ski. That would be awesome uh, because that's kind of a funny recurring thing in the show. I do actually have a criticism. They seem to stress that Loki and Sylvie being in love was enough to create a branch, but that neither... In the conversation, Loki and Sylvie said, no, I don't buy it. And I, don't, I still don't buy that either. So I hope we get some sort of explanation for that. If that's it, if that really is it, I can accept it. But I do hope there's some other explanation for how they created a branch off Lamentis. And then the final thing I want to talk about is how I'm a little bit worried about the finale. First of all, for, in general, for all fans, I feel like we're going to have another WandaVision situation where everybody goes in with super high expectations. and when. Kang doesn't show up, or when Doctor Strange doesn't show up, in the case of WandaVision, or Mephisto, people are really disappointed. So I'm worried that that's going to happen, that Kang won't show up, and people will be disappointed. 
But I'm that's why I'm going in with the right expectations to enjoy the finale, and I recommend everyone does too. But I just hope this finale can provide a satisfying ending and land the story well, because I feel that while WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier finales had some really, really great things, they both were flawed, and they both were some of the weakest episodes of the show, of both shows. So I really hope this Loki finale can fix that problem and be amazing. So that's all I have to say about this episode. This was fantastic. This was probably my longest review of a single Loki episode yet. Um, I've been talking for a while. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much. Please leave feedback. Your theories for the finale, it's coming out. This will release on Tuesday, so the finale is coming out at 12 o'clock tonight. And you know I'll be staying up. I'll be watching it right when it comes out, so I can't wait. Please leave your theories, your feedback, your comments, questions, topics, anything in the email, in the voicemail, in the form, in the description, in the comments of this video. All the links to do that are in the description. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a good day.